Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen, and today is September 7th. Today we're going to continue in Isaiah. Again, I'm just so sad that we can't go verse by verse here. I love it. There is so much in here that is just powerful and beautiful, so much that we can learn from. But today we'll just kind of jump through a few different verses that I really love. Starting in verse one of chapter three, there's just some really neat symbolism here that I want to touch on a bit. It says, for behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, doth take away from Jerusalem and from Judah, the stay and the staff the whole stay of bread, and the whole staff of water. Now, I think it's important that we recognize, again, Isaiah can be talking about multiple time periods at a time. And here we know that Isaiah was warning the Jews of trouble that would be coming if they didn't repent and if they didn't change their ways. And so, yes, this absolutely applies to them at their time, but it's also testifying and teaching about something that would come. So let's jump into a little bit of this symbolism. Here it says that the Lord's going to take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff. So what exactly does that mean? Staff in that day was a symbol of power or priesthood authority. Remember when God had Moses part the Red Sea or when he brought forth water from a rock, he touched the sea and he touched the rock with his staff. And that was done in this symbol of power or authority. The Hebrew word here for stay is actually really interesting. In Hebrew, that word stay actually means support. So here it's saying he's going to take away power and authority and support. But it doesn't just end there. The symbolism continues. It's not just a staff and stay. It's a staff of bread and a stay of water. I love that symbolism of bread and water. Remember, Christ referred to himself as living water or the bread of life. Bread and water act as a symbol of Christ. And so here, when Isaiah is warning the Jews that they need to be careful with their wickedness because God was going to take away the stay of bread and the staff of water, what he's really saying is, I'm going to take away the power and authority of Christ and the support of Christ. All of this is a symbol of the apostasy. And yes, this is a prophecy of the great apostasy, absolutely. But it's also a prophecy for each and every one of us in our lives. We have to be careful about following God. We have to be careful about repenting where needed. Otherwise, the power and authority of Christ and the support of Christ will diminish in our lives as we enter into personal apostasy. Okay, let's continue on with some of these scriptures. Again, I'm just giving little snippets of different things here. In verse four, it says, I will give children to be their princes and babes shall rule over them. And then skip over to verse 12. As for my people, children are their oppressors. O my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err and destroy the ways of thy paths. Now, this one's really interesting to me because my kids know I can't stand the Disney Channel. (laughs) I mean, the cartoons are fine, but when you get those little tween shows or teen shows, I can't stand those shows because they make the parents look like idiots and they make it seem like the kids rule over everything. And they're these masterminds and they're these smart ones of the family, whereas the parents are these dumb idiots. Now, this particular prophecy was very specific because in the coming years, all the kings that would be appointed would be appointed at very young ages. We've got Manasseh at 12, Ammon at 22, Josiah at 8, 
several different kings all being called before they were even 25 years old. So yes, children are going to be made their princes, babies are going to rule over them. But I also believe that this is a latter day prophecy warning us about the destruction of the family, about parents not acting as parents, but allowing children to rule over them and to kind of run the house. That's just my personal opinion on that one, which I don't generally share my personal opinions, but that's always been a standout for me. Okay, so let's continue on to the main scripture that I want to talk about today. This one's in verses 16 and 17. It says, Moreover, the Lord saith, Because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with stretched forth necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go, and making a tinkling with their feet, therefore the Lord will smite with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will discover their secret parts." There are a couple things that are really important to note with this scripture. The first is this scripture, like most of these, is a dualistic prophecy. It's a prophecy that was true for Isaiah's time period, and he was prophesying for them, and is also true for our time period and is a warning for us. The second thing that's important to know is that I don't believe for a second that Isaiah is only calling out the women here. And there's a couple of reasons why. There are several different scriptures that lead me to this conclusion. I'm just going to share a couple of cross-references with you so that you can understand where I'm coming from. The first is in Revelations chapter 12. There's a vision that John has of a dragon and a woman. The dragon is the adversary, but the woman represents the church as a whole. That idea of the woman being the whole church. Isaiah chapter 37 verse 12, it talks about the daughters of Zion, but the daughters of Zion there in that scripture is the whole church. Another one is the parable of the 10 virgins. The bride in that parable was a representation of the church. And so oftentimes in the scriptures, when we see symbols of daughters or women or brides, it's a symbol of the church as a whole. It's not just the Lord or Isaiah calling out the women of the church, it's calling out the members of the church. And so the symbolism and the visualization that we get here with this scripture, this idea of stretched forth necks and wanton eyes being haughty, just gives us this idea of pride and vanity that's beginning to enter into the members of the church. But verse 17 goes on and shows us what the Lord will do to keep his church humble. It says, he will smite with a scab on the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion. And so the Lord is going to try to keep his people humble. Now, I also think it's important to recognize that when the Lord is calling out members here, he does it here, he does it in the parable of the 10 virgins. It's not talking about every member of the church. And it's not talking about a flaw within the actual establishment of the church either. There's an amazing cross-reference found in Helaman chapter 3, verse 33, that can teach us more about this. Listen to what it says. Here in this scripture, they're talking about the peace that had been happening in the land. And it says, save it were the pride which began to enter into the church, not the church of God, but into the hearts of the people who professed to belong to the church of God. And so I think that that's a really important distinction to make. Here in Isaiah, Isaiah is not calling out the church. He's not calling out all the members of the church. He's calling out the members of the church who are letting themselves get caught up in pride. And I think that that's such an important distinguishing factor, especially in our day, where so often people criticize the church for choices of individual members within the church. 
or where people get frustrated or disenchanted with the church as a whole because of one or two people who are making really bad decisions or treating people really poorly. The church has taught us to love. The church has taught us to accept. The church has taught us to include. But there are some within the church who are not understanding that counsel and who don't follow it. And it leads to some people getting hurt or offended. And it's so important that we remember that those faults, those flaws are within imperfect people within the church, not within the church itself. So my friends, what it really all comes down to is living what we profess to believe. Spencer W. Kimball once taught that all 10 virgins were members of the church. They had all been invited to the feast, but the wise ones were the ones who took action, who lived what they believed. Elder Maxwell once taught, mere intellectual assent to a truth deprives us of the revelant personal experiences that come from applying what we profess to believe. My friends, this goes hand in hand with what we learned about in the Proverbs. It's one thing to know what the church teaches or what the prophets are teaching us. It's another thing to be wise and to apply those things. Let us follow Christ more closely. Let us live what we profess to believe and let us forgive imperfect people who make mistakes, even when they make those mistakes inside the church or trying to follow God. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen. 